to the Food Coma Podcast, episode 17. Actually, it's season two, uh, episode one. Um, and then at the same time, time doesn't matter anymore because I'm joined by my friend, uh, comedian Ray Harrington, uh, in a time where uh, nothing really matters. We're in the middle of a, a pandemic and uh, <laughs> what day of the week it is, whether or not you're wearing pants, how, you know, if you're doing laundry with the same three pieces of three items of clothing all week, uh, it doesn't really matter, right? It's all. Oh, yeah. No, you, you can do whatever you want now. It's uh, it's a free for all. It's a lawless um, town. Because nothing matters. Uh, everything matters the same. Yep, exactly. So I, oh, I, I it got started quiet. There was a long pause. I blew your world. mind. I did. It's, you know, uh, <laughs> there's I'm playing a game with it right now where it's like I'm going to see. Uh, I just I basically I've just been drinking the whole time. and I'm going to see which which goes first, me or the pandemic. That's the so it's me versus the coronavirus <laughs> to see who can last the longest here. Because <laughs> I'm like, what else am I supposed to do? You know? Oh, yeah. This is the time where uh, any vice that you may have is going to get cranked up. Yeah. I mean, I like do I do the dumb, I do shit that's so dumb. It's like I'm like, why did I spend thirty dollars on? iPhone slot machine games that you don't even win real money on <laughs> because I just needed something to kill time. You know, it's yeah, like the yeah. dumb vices like that surface, you not just the yeah, traditional. The only, I feel like the only vices that you can't really partake in right now are, I mean, some gambling, you'd have to go online, but beyond that, it's like, uh, if you, if you're, particular kink is like exposing yourself to people in public right that, that's going to get more difficult it's going to be more it's going to be more on a personal level like on a one-on-one basis uh yeah yeah you know and you, you have to hunt for the 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 small group right you know? and, and then it's families and that's a whole problem yeah and, and if you're going to expose oh, it you do you take it out and pull your mask down at the same time i mean you're, you're fully exposing yourself <laughs> or are you leaving the mask on that's the question. Yeah. Well, I think right now you want to leave the mask on. It's going to help with your with your criminal, uh, you know, interests. And uh, also, you know what? Throw a little mask on the on the uh, on yeah. the little guy. Yeah. You know? I mean, you know, there's I, <laughs> that's right, because this is a contact based, uh, you know, it's contagious based on contact. So, yeah, yeah. To, doesn't sound like a bad idea or just turn your underwear into a mask. You know, there's all these kinds of things that we come up with <laughs> that are. If everybody could just hear them, the world would just, it probably would end right now. We'd, we'd just flatten that curve right out. Um, for you, I can imagine this must be extra. I mean, I guess I should start by saying, you know, like you and I met a long time ago doing comedy together in yeah. Bangor. Uh, you were part of a duo, the Travesty and Training, right? <laughs> ah, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and that was so. You guys had like um, sort of a tenacious D esque uh, setup. I remember you had a, a song called "Short Bus." Oh uh, boy, yeah. I, pretty much everything that we did, uh, <laughs> we I personally would never do now. Uh, it would just be like, oh no, you can't, <laughs> yeah. you can't Isn't do that, that. <laughs> and I don't want to do that. You no. know that I was in college at the time, and it was just like it was a very college thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I oh my god, I couldn't imagine getting on stage and being like, yeah, let's sing that song, <laughs> right? I mean, it's, it's it's kind of amazing the uh, the dramatic change in time. I'm trying to think, it was a something I was watching the other night. It was a movie um, where I was like, this was just you could never do any of this anymore. Uh, Caligula. Well, Caligula, I feel like you could because it's it's actually everybody loves the like 
pornographic historical documentaries now. You know, oh, like, sure, yeah. I mean, that's actually very in vogue. Like the whole if there's a lot of sex and there's a lot of violence, like that's totally fine. But yeah. but, you know, being politically incorrect can't have that. Yeah, like if like if there was a, a group orgy with murder happening, but then someone said the R word, right? I think then it would be it would grind to a halt, and it everybody would. like, hey, not cool. Yeah, hey, the language, buddy. <laughs> like, yeah. You got to leave the orgy. You got to leave the orgy. <laughs> you do. Everybody loves that. It's like every time I turn on Netflix now, and I'm I'm into that kind of like genre. But it's funny. It's like you have to if you're, you're like, oh well, we're trying to tell the story of like Elizabeth, you know, Queen Victoria or Queen Elizabeth or. You know, Abe Lincoln, and but they have to always have some kind of sex scene in the beginning to show you it's going to be an adult documentary. You know, there's going yeah. to be some nudity in this one, so you can stick around. And that's what I want. I want to see Abraham Lincoln hardcore fucking his wife. That's what I want. Yeah. I want a log cabin. I want to see him take the stove pop, stove top hat off <laughs> and... And like, just leave that. Did I say stove top? It's stove pipe, right? What it's, is it? Well, stove top's the stuffing. Um, yeah, which is, is what they're going to do. That's what they're going to make in their Lincoln Log house. They make the stove yeah. top stuffing and then get it get into business there. Yeah, and uh, and and I just want that. That's all I want. I want I want an hour and a half of Abraham Lincoln doing some real hard foreplay, and uh, and just going at it. I want to hear Abe Lincoln talk dirty. Yeah, and in his in his old timey way, like the, uh, the the Gettysburg Address, but. Yeah, all sorts of dirty proclamations. I just give it to me. You know, you know four what? score and seven. Years. I no, I'm not even going to go down that road. I'm, I'm, gonna, not, I'm not. I oh, I was going to do it, but I'm not. I'm going to call it. I'm going to say that that that's the next historical drama that's going to show up. It's going to be a, you know, the real story of Abe Lincoln. Um, it all kind of started with Game of Thrones, I think. With the whole like, they're like, oh wow, this is like a Dungeons and Dragonsy, fantasy medieval thing. But look at all, look at all. I mean, it started with Caligula, actually, technically. Sure, sure. Well, yeah. that was like 1978. Well, HBO shows in general, like if it's an HBO show, you have to have uh, nudity and fucking. It just has to be there. Um, so you could have the most dry topic for a, a you know a series on HBO, but at some point HBO is going to go, hey, you you got to put some uh, some boobs and butts in there. This is getting way uh, too dry. We yeah. can't do this. I can't. Yeah, because this you know you're not quite going Skinamax with it, but. No, no. Showtime is worse for that. If there's a show on Showtime, Showtime uh, executives are like, uh, you need you need to add some sex scenes into this. And they'll be like, but this is a, a drama about how uh, the Quakers got started. And they'll be like, I don't care. You need to have yeah, that. You're Quaker saying Quakers sex. weren't reproducing? Like, you know, they had that was some... their whole game. Yeah. You got to you got to put it in there. It's, it's funny. Yeah. And that and then you have, to, you have to do it within the first 15 minutes of the first episode. So people know they can watch on. This isn't going to be like yeah. a National Geographic thing. This is going to be like a show that's going to have, you know, you're going to learn something. You're going to leave leave feeling enriched, but you're also going to see a lot of nudity. And that's what, you know, that's what right. it's all about. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, so we I was in a, I was in an acoustic uh, comedy duo. Right. That's how this question started. Yes. Uh, and uh, yeah, I was in college and uh, my uh, best friend in college, we, we just started playing these songs and that's before I had done any stand-up at all um and then over time uh the stand-up started creeping in like I you know we would have prepared little bits in between the songs and those got bigger and longer and longer and longer 
Uh, and then there was one show where uh, the other guy in the in the band couldn't do the show. And I was like, all right, well, I can sing and play half of the songs. Yeah. So I'll cover the rest of the time with with funnies. And uh, <laughs> and that was that was the start. Nice. That was kind of how the stand up thing came, came about. Um, yeah, it's I mean, it obviously doesn't surprise me at all that you were able to to do that and transition into, you know, what it's become now. Um, but it was funny in a way to start. You know, bad was like, like Ryan Waning and and yeah, me yeah, and you and <laughs> like uh, I don't know. Those the stand up days were, were were fun. You've you've obviously you've progressed. I mean, you've gone from that, and you before this whole pandemic thing, you just did Conan, <laughs> which was amazing. Yes, so, yeah, that was really fun. I mean, how many times? So you had you had exactly five minutes. Is that what you get on Conan? Um, yeah, they. Uh, you know, every late night show does things a little differently, but overall, uh, you know, everybody refers to it as your, you know, your TV five, um, yeah. but it's really four and a half. Uh, so initially I had sent, um, I had sent some stuff to the booker at Conan, um, and, uh, the, the set that I, I call it the vanilla folder set, like that's the set that I did on the show. Um, that was originally like seven and a half minutes. And uh, there was another one that was five on the dot. And I was like, oh, I'll do that. It's a hot air balloon bit. And uh, but he he, you know, got back to me and he was like, hey, I really like this. Uh, I think the vanilla folders bit is the one that I'd like to do on the show. Uh, so we got to tighten that up to four and a half minutes. And so 430 is the mark that uh, comics have to hit with their set. Um, because they, I think they just allow for, you know, a little breathing room, you know, if you get like an applause break or something like that. Um, so I had to take a seven and a half minute bit and cut three minutes out of it. And how does that um, look on paper? I mean, like the... Yeah. Oh, it's insane. Especially with this bit, like right when uh, I got the, uh, the, the thumbs up for this set, I was just like, okay, this is great. I'm excited to be doing this. Um, but at the same time, uh man i wish i was doing like a regular bit like a joke that didn't involve like pulling stuff from the audience and and making references and planting seeds because it's almost like i'm doing i'm doing a stand-up set but also like a little magic trick involved as well um so uh yeah cutting cutting from that i think it took like one month uh of going back and forth but uh it, it was it was a pain in the ass it really was it was like I what mean, do totally, i want to keep yeah. here yeah it's uh it's it's a lot but once the four and a half was down i was really happy with it and uh and i liked where it was um and there's some things in it that i can kind of like hang my hat on as a comedian and be like okay this this set had some stuff in it that i don't think uh we see a lot of in late night sets and most importantly i wanted to bring a sense of the stand-up that you see in a club i wanted the club vibe in this set and i think i got there with it and um so yeah i was really happy with it yeah you had the whole pit you know hit the two sides of the room against each other <laughs> Always yeah <worse>. yeah <laughs> i didn't count on them applauding themselves yeah. that was the one thing that threw me off like when i when i you know pit, pit the two sides against each other uh in in a normal set they don't clap for themselves in that moment and uh, they did, and it threw me off. And all I was thinking is like, uh, "Yeah, I, my my time is is getting eaten up by you guys yeah, clapping." Yeah, calm, and then calm I threw down. it out there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was like, "Okay, that's enough. I, I'm being timed." Uh, and then there was one applause break that came. Like, I, I had like a uh, a pause, 
in one of the lines to kind of transition. This is like behind the scenes stuff, but, you know, just transitioning between like me saying something to someone in the bit versus addressing the audience. I pause and then right when I go to say something, they uh, they gave me an applause break. But all I was thinking is like, no, now it looks like I was fishing for it. Right. Like I paused that long so you guys yeah, would clap. Yeah, fine line, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but uh, no, I, I'm, I'm really happy with it. It was a lot of fun, and, uh, you know, the, that's the most nervous I've been. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm sure you've probably walked through that set five million times in your head since you did it. I mean, that's what I would do. Oh, right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, I, I th- I've watched it a total of like four times, uh, twice the night that it aired. Uh, once with my son because he really wanted to watch it, and then one more time I think because I had to. I was like uh, including it with like a, a you know a press kit kind of thing or something like that. Uh, I don't want to watch it ever again. I'm all set. I'm done. <laughs> totally, man. I totally i I understand that. Uh, but you 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 killed it. It was great. I I enjoyed it very much. So uh, I appreciate that because yeah. I will never know. I'll never know if it was actually <sighs> good because yeah, it, people nice people. Look, you're a friend of mine. You're you're gonna say that you're you're legally obligated to say it right. was good ray you were terrible uh, how do you, ray, how do, you yeah. do, do you think you do no ray do you, did you think you gave the best you could that night was that the best you could have done do you think that was oh, the man, best when you could have done when i walked off stage uh you know i i was like shooting the shit with andy richter a little bit and then we're i'm walking back to the green room with like the handler and the booker and a couple other people and they're all super nice because that was the thing like everybody there was the nicest group of people in the world so warm and inviting and i'm walking back to the green room and they're all like oh you did such a great job you killed it that was so great you know the booker's like yeah this is totally like right up the alley of conan he really liked it you know all this other stuff and i just interrupted and i was like but was it good yeah yeah. Was it good? Yeah, because they don't they always say that like you know when when that's how you know something's really good is when nobody compliments you on it because of other comics <laughs> yeah. because they're fucking just yeah. all I can ever think of whenever I analyze anything that I do, which is why I'm I'm like you like I can't I can't watch it unless some night I'm just like shit face and I I put it on I'm like oh I'm used to do but I always think of Orny Adams. Uh, in the comedian document, you know that yeah, Jerry Seinfeld yeah. did, just so neurotic, just analyzing everything to death, and like coming off looking like such a, a dick, you know? Right. Like, it's just, I don't know. That's that's all I can. Yeah, ever... it's it's a weird thing. I mean, like I wanted it to be well received, um, but personally, like just getting the show was the achievement um, in in my mind. You know, of it course. was a step for me, and it was a personal thing. Um, so I wanted the set to be good, obviously, but it it is strange because you just don't know. I I almost wish they were totally cold and like dicks to me before I did the set and then they were super nice. Yeah. I'd be like, oh, okay. I'm used to that. I know that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know. I'm, I'm one of those people, like if I was doing a show, like you don't get like, like, uh, stereotypical hecklers really like nobody's, nobody's like you heck- suck, yeah you know? nobody's gonna heckle you with COVID. i mean you know yeah or anywhere you know it's like if you're getting a heckler they're drunk and they're like a happy heckler um it's very rare to hear somebody actually be like you suck you know but i'm the type of person where if somebody did say you suck while i was on stage i'd be like this guy gets it this guy <laughs> knows comedy see this guy's the you, smartest man in the room he's the smartest guy in the room how did you know i sucked and nobody else here had any idea like yeah uh speaking of which i i, oh, man. I feel with, with comedy i think a lot of people don't realize i mean they're always like 
you know, how, how, how can you do it? It's like, you know, going up there alone, I couldn't imagine. But what they don't realize is beyond the actual act of performing, like the amount of, of work that really goes into polishing material, um, you know, making a set good, you know, separating yourself from like open mic night to like an actual comedian. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I did, I started in 2003 and I went really hard until about 2008. That was like, the point where I was like, all right, this is, and I started writing at that point. I've been, I hadn't really done any writing. So I was like, oh, I like right. writing better. I can, you know, edit and, you know, I don't have to worry about timing. It just was easier. And comedy, uh, as you know, in the beginning is just, you have to keep your two day jobs because I was spending yeah, more yeah. to travel to do shows than I was getting paid by far. <laughs> you know, oh, like, totally. Yeah. You know, it was like the, the, the pay would cover like a quarter tank of gas. Uh, and so like, I got tired of it and I, I kind of let it go. But the reason I'm, I'm, I'm bringing this up is it's funny because since then, these people will always ask me, like, you know, do you want to come to a set? Do you want to come to a set at this thing? And it's like a, not like a comeback, but it's just like, you know, George, you return to the stage. It's been a while, you know, and it's just I think one out of the 10 times I've accepted this invitation, uh, it's gone really well. Like, it's generally like I get up there and I, I just like. I remember I always like write the set list the day of and I'm like, yeah, that'll work. Yeah, and they're jokes yeah. that I've never even really told that they don't, and I don't even really know where they're going. They just kind of drift off with a real punchline. Cause I just assume that somehow it's all going to work itself out. Um, but it was a good example of that was the last show we did together in, in, in Portland at blue. Cause I was just like, yeah, it's, obviously I want to do a show with Ray. And, and then it's just one of those things where you, you finally have to be like, dude, if you're going to do comedy, like, you have to do comedy. Like you have to work, like you have to get back into it full on. There's no kind of half-assing yeah, it, yeah. you know, like, I mean, sure. I'm sure there's, it's amazing the amount of comics I see who tell the same jokes that they were telling 10 years ago or back in like 2003, even. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I couldn't yeah. do that. I mean, in a million years, but at the same time, like insisting on doing new stuff every night, cause you're already bored of the stuff you did last time. Um, yeah, and so it doesn't it doesn't go well. And I the last show I did with you, it's like <laughs> maybe one of the worst. I think, but literally that was like the one that was like, all right, if you ever agree to do one of these again, like God damn it, like you better fucking step it up. You better show up. Like you are not, you don't have the charisma anymore just to walk up on stage and just like, and people are gonna, you know, you can't just break glasses and flip out and shit and you know. Yeah, well, I mean that's good, but that's gonna happen. Like there's no. There's no uh, there's no one that is going to get up after a huge um, break in between sets and just knock it out of the park um, and and not have an issue with it. Um, you you've been in long enough to know, you know, when you're doing well and when you're not doing well. So you can feel that, you know, if you oh, yeah. if you had done comedy for like two years and then stopped for five and did another set you'd walk off stage regardless of how it went feeling like oh, i fucking killed it yeah you know it's like no you just don't know yet yeah um yeah. but yeah with stand-up like if you take a break like that you just have to get up repetitively to get those uh to, you know just get those muscles working again and it's like juggling you know you could be an amazing juggler but if you stop for a few years and then try and you know try and nail the next juggling i don't know what is it like throw five balls up i don't, I don't know. know the juggling the, the, my the, analogy the, fell the apart the black belt you know, blue belt jugglers i don't know what you know what, what <laughs> oh, goes in the mix black there belt yeah. black belt jugglers that's when things get up i think they're on fire 
That's when yes. you're juggling things on fire. I think it'll be a black belt juggler. Not to be yeah. not, not to be confused with Juggalo, but a Juggalo oh, juggler. Oh, the Juggalos. <laughs> Won't someone think of the Juggalos? I thought of this uh, yesterday. I, I was talking to a friend on the phone, and I, and I like he answered the phone, and I immediately went, how do you feel? How do you think the Juggalos are doing right now? Oh, I just I just read a Hard Times article where they were like, you know, ICP. It's just like the distancing of the Juggalos. Yeah, <laughs> instead of the gathering. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it just shows this one juggalo in a field. Um, so that's what they're that's what they're doing. They're there's there's they're appropriately social distancing. They're not gathering. Just hearing one echoey lone whoop whoop <laughs> off in whoop. the distance, <laughs> like it's a coyote in the night. Dude, I you know I I so if I did return to stand up, I want you and me to 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 do the gathering one year. That'd be amazing. What do you do for if you're going to do a stand-up routine at the gathering? <laughs> I feel like they, they have comedians. Oh, they do. They know. do. They have comics. Um, I've known I a couple. I Jim Norton done... there. And... Yeah, yeah. Jim Norton's. Done, I mean, they've had like like Jimmy Walker. Yeah. Dino Mike. Like, yeah. He does it. It's <laughs> fucking weird. It's the weirdest group, grouping of people. Yeah, that's like a place you have all, like Mike Tyson It's like most festivals. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's just uh, I I would not. Uh, oh my god, it would have to be like you you know pay me ten grand and then I don't even want a hotel because I plan on leaving the second <laughs> I finish. With my set. Yeah, I don't want to be around. I I'm plan gone. on the minute the crowd turns on me. I want to be able to get the fuck out of here. You know. Yeah. <laughs> out of comfort. Yeah. Throw. I'm gonna be on a plane soaked in orange fago, uh, <laughs> flying home. You know, it's a trunk full of Fago, car full of fat chicks. That's what they say in uh, <laughs> ICP worlds. You know, there was a juggalo. I, I'll be the fat chick. I, I'm yeah. <laughs> and I'll be the juggalo power bombing motherfuckers into thumbtacks. <laughs> That's what they do. Uh, you know, what's funny, though. Like, I would I would go to the gathering over Coachella any day, of the, any day of the week. I don't know. Oh hell yeah! You know why? Because the Juggalos are doing it in earnest. You know what I mean? Like they, there's an earnestness about what they're doing. Coachella is just like, oh, we're here because other people are here, right. and th- there's there's truth in the Juggalo. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, that's there the one. Tr- I appreciate there is the, that. The, the truth in the Juggalo. That's I think that's lost on some yeah. people. But um, all you have to do really is like. If you, if you if you're critical of the juggalos and the way they do it, all you have to do is watch any of the any of the various documentaries about the fire festival, and you can see yeah. the opposite of those people who have no idea, no conviction. They're like, somebody told me I should buy a ticket to this, and that it was going to be a kick ass party. So I guess I'm going, and I'm not going to question it right. until literally it's like a, a lawless town, like this podcast. Um, you yeah. know, <laughs> so people are rioting, and it's like Lord of the Flies, like you know. Oh amazing and i think the best part about that because i watched uh i watched one of the two documentaries i like that, the that netflix like the one time. yeah i think the that's netflix the one, one i saw the one, yeah he, he the other one interviewed him more and i didn't really need to hear his side of things i like the netflix one yeah yeah i wanted more footage of the people that were there though i wanted to see more of that because to me it's you know uh the idea of like it's not victimless they are victims however they are not great people you know it's like garbage people yeah so watching garbage people suffer through a thing that is truly their own doing is the most entertaining thing you can watch absolutely the kind of person Uh, i know it's cynical of me but i don't give a shit i like oh it's beautiful it's it's a bear trap set in the woods and everybody goes hey watch out for that bear trap and then this person goes 
I'm going to go in that bear trap. Here we go. <laughs> yeah. I'm going now. Yeah, and then they do it. And then you just hear, oh, help me. It's yeah. like, no, we're good. And I'm going to pay. I'm going <laughs> to pay to do it also. It's like because in that yeah. documentary, there's that clip of Ron Funches when he's like, man, you spent five grand to go see Blink-182. Well, you know, that's on you, man. Like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> know. That's just car- that's just karma right there. That's natural selection. Like, yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. And you know what, though? It, ultimately, when it, when, you know, when it comes to festivals and stuff like that, I do think there's a parallel in the people that showed up to the fire Festival and comedians going to, like, contest festivals. Yeah. Where they're like, oh, this is going to be a great thing. And then they get there and they're like, oh, no. <laughs> this is the worst. Oh, no. We don't have beds. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I limited that to one time I auditioned for Last Comic Standing, which is the one time I auditioned for anything last time. I was like. No, I think it was like 2004. Yeah, and it was yeah. in Boston. Oh, so. Festivals, I've I've done a few. I've kind of um, a while back. I I stepped back and I was like, I'm not gonna do contest based comedy festivals because there was like one month where I did um, I did a festival, the Akumal Comedy Festival in Akumal, Mexico, um, for stand up records. Well, should go to and, Mexico because I'm on the label. Yeah, yeah, and it was great. It was a lot of fun. I'm on the label. I'm I'm friends with the guy now that that runs the label. Um, he's really cool. Flew me out there, um, and it was to like it was like a fundraiser basically. This festival it was like a week long, and they were raising money for um, buying an ambulance for like the first responders in the uh, the the towns that we were in. Oh, so yeah. it was a good cause. Yeah, absolutely. And, it was great. We, we stayed in Akamal. It's beautiful. We stayed in a house that uh, the Grateful Dead had built uh, to hang out in, and it was like the it was like the real world. We were all in this house together, all these comics, and we would hang out in the pool all day and crack jokes, and then go to the shows. And uh, you know, I'm still friends, like close friends, with a bunch of the comics that were there. Yeah, and and I felt great with that. It was it was a lot of fun. And then <clears throat> I get home. And like two weeks later, I'm in the Boston Comedy Festival, which is, uh, you know, it's a staple in New England. Yeah. And that's a contest festival. That is, you know, you perform uh, through rounds and you have to get moved. You have to move on to the next round and all that stuff. And it's super competitive. And uh, I'm I'm not like talking shit about the Boston Comedy Festival. I'm talking shit about contest festivals in general. Right. Yeah. Um, So I make it to the finals of that and I'm in the green room with friends people i've been friends with for a while and my go-to before a show where there's stakes is i get real bitty i start cracking more jokes and stuff yeah because you're trying to get the um, audience you know, it's, yeah so yeah punch just line, getting line, on the ball line, yeah you're not building up yeah. the story for five minutes right and they uh and then the you know comics that i'm close friends with were just like really closed off and and tight and and you could feel tension in the room because we were all competing with each other yeah. and immediately i was just like oh i don't i don't like this were they doing this that at faneuil hall so, where were they doing that that was at uh oh man there was a theater what theater was it i don't even remember like what the theater it was in summer somerville oh okay. theater yep yeah, um, beautiful theater. You know, it was a, it was a nice time. It was a, it was a little weird. Like Mark Maron was there because he was being, uh, I, or no, he was closing one of the shows, and so he's in the green room. And then uh, Gary Coleman, no, not Gary Coleman, the other guy, Gary Goldman. Oh, that's that. Isn't that awful? <laughs> yeah, Gary. Isn't that awful? Gull- Emmanuel Gull- Lewis. Gullman. 
Oh. No, not Gallman. Oh, okay. Emmanuel Lewis. The <laughs> other the small other man. That's so funny. The other one. I just Isn't watching last night. I just actually watched for the first time. Um, it was like two in the morning, and I watched the roast of uh, Justin Bieber, which I hadn't seen. And uh, yeah, yeah. Shaq goes up and he refers to um, Kevin Hart as Webster, <laughs> which is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so that's what I meant by the other one. Yeah, I, can't I know. Believe I I, that. Yeah, 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 I know. The Doctor Thunder to Gary Coleman's Doctor Pepper. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So he was there, and we're talking, and he had been a judge on one of my other rounds, and he's like talking me up, and he's he's like, "Oh, you're so funny, you do it." Like, so he's he's patting me on the back, and in my head, I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." And Mark Marin is sitting there, and I just want to go over to Marin and be like, "Hey, man, I didn't have a dad growing up, so yeah. you should probably have me on your show." You know. <laughs> You know, yeah. It was so weird. And then I go out on stage and uh, they have a mic stand uh, completely lower for uh, for Emmanuel Lewis. Yeah. And the co the comic before me had taken the mic out of the regular stand. And when he was done with his set, put it in what? the Emmanuel Lewis mic no. stand. <laughs> really? So I walk out for my tight five for the finals. And that's the mic in the mic stand. And I was like, all right, here we go. This is this is what's <laughs> so going on. Brutal. Now. Like yeah. Wow. But yeah, seeing seeing the difference between a festival where you're just doing comedy and getting to meet yeah. other comics and it's and, all about you know, everybody being something. happy and coming together and you're entertaining everybody. Yeah, putting on good shows. Yeah. Yeah. Versus the competitive side. After that, I was just like, oh, I don't want to do that. Anymore. Whatever comes you know, of winning contests, really. Anyway, like, I mean, yeah. it's like if you win the first season of American Idol or like the second. Like that, you may have a career ahead of you, and Kelly Clarkson obviously is still randomly a thing. But like, once you're like in season ten and eleven and all that, it's like, yeah, yeah. Who gives a fuck? Well, even no notoriously, like last comic standing, it was yeah. it, for years. It was like the runner-up always had the real career. Yeah, so it's like the winner is like the kiss of death almost. You know, like yeah, yeah, and it is. I, even the last season that existed, uh, it was uh, oh man, what was his name? Red Man. One Redman the rapper? Uh no, not Redman. Oh. <laughs> uh Rodman. Rodman. Oh, oh, Rodman. Okay. There we go. Rodman, who's a comic. Uh why did I say who's a comic? They're all comedians. <laughs> it's on last comic God, He won yeah. and Joe Mackey got the runner up. I haven't seen Rodman do anything in a long time, and I don't want to talk shit about another comic. I don't know what he's doing. I just haven't seen him around. Right. Um uh but Joe Mackey I see on tons of stuff. Uh, and, uh, so yeah, it, it's still the same thing. Yeah. So if you're, if, if it comes back and you do it, shoot for second place, that's yeah. what you want. You get the exposure, you want second. but you yeah. almost, uh, as somebody who writes about restaurants and, 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 and goes out to eat a lot and just, I think low expectations are the key. Like if you're the winner, the, oh, the, yeah. the expectations difference between first and second place when somebody hires you or whatever is pretty massive. And yeah. so, yeah, I'd rather be the second place guy who's actually more talented <laughs> than like, you know, there's just, a, you know, there's less tension, there's less pressure on you. You can kind of right. navigate the road better, I would think, than having to go around being the winner. Yeah, I, uh, I, I just, I could never do it. I, the idea of doing Last Comic seems so uh, gross to me. Yeah, exactly. um, I auditioned I that one time. It. I understand. It. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I also feel like it's for a specific type of comedian. Right. Um. And, uh, you know, like the shorter your stuff, the better, because it's so, it's such a short, uh, you know, period of time that you're doing and you're burning through so much material. Yeah. yeah uh, you know, if you're a one liner, awesome. Yeah. It's like anytime you try to perform in Saugus, 
you gotta stick with the one-liners <laughs> because if you try to use more than one line, you get you get the blank stares and just the silence. Yeah. You know, <laughs> as I learned a Kowloon many times. Um, oh, the Kowloon. Uh, oh. Uh, beloved. Weekends. I've got a fun story for that one. Yeah, but I, it's not it's not a um on the record story, but I have a fun story. You can change that. names. <laughs> Uh, okay, so it was at the Bowloon. Yeah. Okay. Good. Uh, no, no, no. It's a, it's right. a, it, no. It, at this point, it would just be out. The, the cat would. It, the cat's already half out of the bag it, just by saying, "Oh, it's the Kowloon. I yeah. have a story about the Kowloon." You know. I remember. I, I would like. That was like one of those shows when you know you you started to get booked at like you were, if you're doing Portland Comedy Connection, you started to get booked at Faneuil Hall. And then you'd think that you were really working your way up in the world. The guy he'd throw you the well. Get, how about a weekend at the Kowloon in Saugus? And you're like, oh yeah. wow, this is gonna be wow. This is, I'm, I'm like really moving up. And then you go and you <laughs> find out Friday night on two shows on Saturday. I remember like the first time the shows, well, hey, the pay whatever. But like, I remember by the third show after the second show, I was just like, I don't know. I literally contemplated just leaving. I'm like, I don't know if I can do, I'm like, I don't know if I can do this. Like they just hated me so much. <laughs> like they hated me. But by, by the last show I went up and I was like, my strategy is going to be to say fuck every other word. And it actually worked. Like they didn't hate me. They were like tolerant of me at least. Yeah. Cause you're hosting yeah. and you're, you're doing your set while they're ordering their food and it's soggy. Right, right, yeah. You know, uh, but I remember like this, this panic attack I had after finishing the second show that went as brutally as the Friday night show did knowing I had to go up there and do it again in like an hour and how terrible yeah. it was. It was just like, Oh man. And Mario Joyner yeah, was those... the headliner. I remember that was, uh, it gives you a time period. I think it was like 2005 when I first did that. Uh, Oh man, I can't remember now. Yeah, Mario Joyner. I think he had like toured with Seinfeld yeah. Yeah, for a while. And, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. 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 No, there are those shows where you, you just get a sense of like, Oh, you're just up there, um, to be a body and fill time. And right. That's I think that's one of those rooms for sure. Just go up and talk for your time yeah. and then and then we're good. Every time you get um, an intro that's yeah. like Joe Riccio has performed at colleges all over the country. Like I don't think I've ever yeah. performed at a college before, but yeah, we'll go with this. That sounds good to me. <laughs> <laughs> Let's work, uh work yeah, this those out. those shows I think it just becomes a point of pride of just internally switching gears and going all right fuck it i'm gonna do my full time and you motherfuckers aren't gonna make me walk off this stage um you know i mean famously like bill burr had that set in philly uh where he did that but um yeah those moments for sure happen for sure i was doing a weekend in houston uh, a couple years ago and uh was it last year what well, doesn't matter um uh and I always like the shows there, and they're they're a lot of fun. Uh, but there's always one show every weekend at that club that is going to be probably the worst of the year, and it was one of those. And I think 20 minutes into my set, I went away. It was like a coping mechanism where I was. It's like I was being tortured, and and I just left my body, and I just went on, you know, went on automatic uh, pilot. Do you remember? And do you remember what was happening set. specifically? Or it was just uh, everybody was hammered. It was a late show Friday, and so I think they did a lot of like papering the room for that show. Yeah. Uh, the the just the Friday late night for whatever reason was like the contest winner one. The uh, the room was hammered. Um, no one was like policing it or pacing anything or like, hey, why don't you settle down? Um, it was it a was lawless weird. town. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was it was the old west, and. Uh, it just became like a weird Q and A where people were like interrupting to ask questions. <laughs> it was bizarre. 
It was bizarre. The feature did maybe 10 minutes and got the fuck off the stage. Uh, But 20 minutes into my set, I was like, no, fuck you. I'm doing the whole thing. And I just I started like narrating it to them being like, all right, I got another 30 minutes. So we're going to do this. I'm going to go for 30. And um, it's just one of those shows and you get off stage and I was I was, uh, you know, in the back with uh, the the booker owner of the club and he's like, there's one every weekend. This was one of the worst ones. And uh, what are you going to do? And I'm like, yeah, what are you going to do? <laughs> you know? yeah, there's nothing uh, you can, yeah. They just they happen. You know, sometimes it's and you'll just, never see those people, people can, again. It's like that's how you almost tell yourself. No, it's no. Like, uh, never going to yeah, see those people like, again. There were a couple. Yeah, there were a couple of people at that show that afterwards came up and they're like, we're so sorry, please don't think that this is Houston. And I'm like, well, I've been here enough. I know that it's a little Houston, so don't worry about it. But, <laughs> yeah. uh, yeah, you know, and they much. still come out to shows and stuff, and that's that's fun. I mean, the, people think that stand-up comedy is just a thing you can put in the corner, like a guitar player, uh, you know, acoustic guitar right. on a Saturday night in Ugh. a wine bar. It's Jesus. not the same thing. Is there anything um, worse than doing a show in a bar? I mean... I had a yes. certain strategy. <laughs> yes, there are. Yes. I had a strategy yes. with it, um, which was just really be over the top and loud and, yep. you know, and drink a lot with these people. But at the same time, you're going to have at least 40% of that room is not there to see comedy. They're there to drink at the bar. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. those usually like the shows where they're like, well, we don't have a mic. Can you just do it without a mic? <laughs> Like the fucking oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. I think I, I'm lucky because I've gotten spoiled over the past few years. Like I've kind of um, worked out of doing a lot of, th- of that stuff. And I'm trying to say that in the least like cocky way possible. You don't but, have to. You've, you've, um, you've, you've been in the business long enough. You can accurately say you don't have to do bar shows with no microphones there are look, there are yeah. some that i that i still find myself in um but uh you know yeah i feel i feel lucky in that in that regard but there are still shows that happen where you're just like why what are we doing why nobody wants this i don't want it you don't want it what's happening <laughs> yeah this is you know? ridiculous yeah. like the worst show i ever did should have been a good show uh no no you know what no it shouldn't have it, sh- <laughs> it, 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 it was never going to be a good show um, I don't know if you want like a worst show story. I do want but... to, no, no, I don't want a worst show story at all. Of course I do. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I just wanted to make sure I didn't want to like blather on, but, um, so this was, this was a, a while back. I think it was right before I f- recorded my first album. And so I was just starting the headline and I was doing that kind of stuff. Um, and I got a, uh, <laughs> I got a phone call from, uh, one of the, uh, one of the bookers for the Wilbur in Boston. Yeah. And, uh, they, they run a couple of different places and this was for the, uh, Cape Cod Melody Tent. Um, it's a, it's a semi-outdoor kind of venue. Uh, it's this gigantic, like outdoor tent thing and it's theater in the round, uh, I think it's 3,000 seats or 2,000. It's 2,000 or 3,000. Cut the difference, 2,500 seats. Um, theater in the round, and it's where, you know, tons of, like, music acts will play, and then comics will play there. Um, but, you know, it's mostly uh, it's mostly music. And so I show up, and they want me to open for Leonard Skinnerd. Jesus Christ. I mean, so, you're like who yeah. is coming to a Leonard Skinner <laughs> show even if I was culturally appropriate for any of these like you know, even if my yeah. subject matter had anything to do with anything you wanted to hear. 
I mean, it's pretty awesome to see you open for Leonard Skinner. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, I, I, mean, I when they asked me to do it, I I did the gig just because I knew it was a yeah. unique thing. Yes, and yes. I was like, well, this is going to be a story no matter what happens. <laughs> and I show up at this thing. It's sold out. On the on the marquee outside, it just says Leonard Skinner sold out. Like it doesn't say, and you're gonna see some comedy. <laughs> yeah. You know, they wanted uh, a half hour. They wanted thirty minutes up front. And what? at first, I was like, "Why do you guys thirty minutes want a at comedian? an open air venue at Leonard Skinner? Like, what the fuck, dude?" Yeah, I was like, "Why do you even want this?" Then I realized what it was. Because it's theater in the round, there's no backstage, so they can't do a loadout to change the band. So the gear that's out is out. You can't bring up another drum kit and other guitars and stuff like that. So they stick a comic up because they don't need anything. And uh, so I get there. They're like, you know, you're going to do 30 minutes. Don't swear. And I was like, okay, <laughs> all right. You know, the, yeah, the, the Leonard Skinner fans, they'll, they'll be terrified yeah. of a couple of effing and Jeffins, you know. Yeah. But uh, I do a sound test with the guy, and I'm like, hey, there's a lot of speaker stacks behind me. How are people behind me going to see me? And the guy's like, don't worry, the stage revolves. Oh, and I was like, are you out of your what? fucking mind? <laughs> like, this is, that's how you want to do comedy, where people slowly see you for like, you get, oh, you get like 20% of the audience at any time. Oh. I'm it, like having so, a panic attack right now, just like thinking about this. Oh story. yeah, I, and I this is the most important thing. I didn't have the bank of material that I have now. You know what I mean? This was before I recorded the first album. You know, and now I've recorded two, and you know I've had more experience, and so I I would be able to handle it differently now. Most importantly, by saying no. Uh, so, <laughs> ooh, I almost got a spit take. I almost got a spit take. So I go out there. And the place is sold out. It's packed. Just it is a sea of Confederate flags and like cut off denim vests. And I grab the mic and the stage starts turning and I start talking. And I like the first like 90 seconds, people are are interested because they think I'm just going to introduce the band. Exactly. Because <laughs> there's no like, heads up. Yeah, ooh, that smell. <laughs> Can you smell yeah. that smell? That's the smell of me dying on stage. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, they, I wish the announcement when they said, what do you want for credits? I wish I had said, just tell them that you told me to do 30 minutes. <laughs> it wasn't my idea at all. Yeah. Yeah. Because they think I'm just some like radio DJ coming out. Oh, you know, W blah, 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 just uh, sponsored this event. Thanks for coming out. You know, here's Leonard Skinner. But instead, it's like, here's Ray Harrington, who's going to tell 30 minutes of jokes. And you could just hear the chatter in the building, like, just rise and rise and rise. I can see f a few faces laughing, but I can't hear them. Uh, and then by the time I feel like I connect with somebody, you rotate around they're gone. <laughs> yeah, they rotate. And what? I swear like 10 minutes in, 11 minutes in, I want to leave. I'm done and I'm ready to back out of it. I would have ripped the check up in front of everybody and just been like, I'm really sorry. See you later. Uh, but I couldn't, I couldn't get off the stage because so it's, it's revolving. revolving. <laughs> you were trapped so I'm on stuck. stage. I am trapped in a nightmare machine. It was horrifying. Like halfway through, I'm just panicking and I'm talking and going, just don't swear. I'm pulling bits 
uh, just like, okay, this is a bit I do. And then if it got to a point where it gets dirty, like, oh, shit, the punchline's dirty on this one. Pivot. And I would just start another <laughs> thing. Else. Just keep talking. That's where Travis and, and training would have come in. You should have, you know, you could have gone yeah, some of the old, old songs. Yeah. Yeah, we would have been perfect for that. And then, uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah, I just, I just remember going and going, and then the stage stopped. And I was like, all right. Thank you guys very much. My name is Ray Harrington. Leonard Skinner will be out in a little while. Bye. And then I had to walk back through the crowd to get out of there. And they're sticking their hands out and high-fiving me. And I'm like, what are you doing? What? This was not a victory. You know what I mean? Well, <laughs> this was not a good job. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, you know I mean? yeah, you're the guy I just saw standing in the uh, circle. I mean, nobody you know chucked I mean? like, anything that's at you, right? I mean, that's a good day. You, no, you nobody threw anything. No, people were were decent, but it was just it was terrifying. And then they said I could stick around for the show. I was like, No, no I'm, I'm out. Bye. Yeah. I'm leaving. Yeah. I gotta go. Yeah, at least they didn't have to string up like a chicken wire around you or anything. You know. Was... Yeah, yeah, but I mean, that's. I'm happy I did it just for the story of that thing, you know. And Dude, and that, that way, you know, insane. some. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. But it does give you a sense of. Uh, um, a sense of balance. You can look at other things and go, well, it's not that. You know, yeah, these, absolutely. I've I've learned I've learned over the last few years. Sometimes there are shows you do those shows and you might as well get up on stage and punch a time card and go, let's do this. Let's go to work. Um, and then you feel grateful for the shows where you get to be the comic that you want to be. And and uh, those are the shows where you get to feel like uh, you're you're doing a craft. I think you're, that's you're the same in any profession. I think it's the same with writing about food yeah. and, or, you know, even having a restaurant, like you have the one restaurant that like pumps it out, does the volume. And then you have your hobby yeah. restaurant that's 10 seats where you do what you want to do. It doesn't matter. You know, it's like, uh, yeah. And that's, I guess those are the times sometimes when I, I understand when comics are still doing jokes from 10 years ago. So I'm like, whatever you have these ones, you're like, you know, they're going to kill these certain jokes, these certain bits. You're going to go up and you're going right. to do them. You're going to bang it out, collect a check and you know, good to go. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, I mean, that is the, the blessing and the curse of doing stand up full time is, you know, you gotta, you gotta pay your bills, you gotta pay your mortgage and stuff. So yeah, you do some of those shows. Um, uh, hopefully you find something in it and look right now because of the, the, this lockdown that we're on, um, I would give anything to do yeah, right? any one of those shows. I'll do a bar show. Would you do so Skinner good. again or? No. <laughs> <laughs> Even during the that's pandemic, the he will not do That's skinning. the one where I'd be like, no, nah, I'm all set. I'm good. <laughs> Dude, just picturing you revolving on them. Like, it's just like, and all I can picture for some reason is the part of Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade when they're in the fireplace and the room's on fire. And oh, yeah. and like spinning around. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know why I pictured that. That's all I, I can picture when you talk about. Yeah, it's some things. Manchurian candidate level. Yeah, shit. yeah. It really it's is. crazy shit. <laughs> We're going to take some time to discuss our sponsor. Um, oh, all right. During these times, obviously, it's I would say really what I want to convey is that, you know, anybody in the any restaurant, you know, anybody in the, in the, the service business, you know, that's struggling, trying to stay open by doing takeout, you know, that is still available, like support the hell out of them. Like this is a really shitty time to be in the business. Which is why I wanted to also just, you know, you know, our sponsor for this show, as in the, the last episode, is, you know, Bissell Brothers Brewing uh, out of Portland. Okay. I feel like everybody still needs to drink. 
And that's the good thing is liquor stores yep, don't seem yep. to be closed, so that's good. <laughs> so you can still get yeah. this product, and I'm sure you can get it from yeah. the, the brewery as well. And, you know, they have a um, – Bissell Brothers has two locations. One is Four Thompson's Point in Portland and another tasting room up in uh, in Milo, actually. Uh, that's at 157 Elm Street up there. They're doing some kind of interesting uh, mixed fermentation and more sour beers. That's their hometown, Milo. You know, that's pretty that's, that's pretty far. That's pretty past a couple hours past Bangor, right? Milo? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, it sounds. It, I I know I've heard of it before. Yeah, uh, it's, yeah. Been, it's just been a while since I've been in the area to to be like, oh yeah, Milo, it's up there. And you're, are you, you know? from yeah. Bangor? Uh, no, I'm originally from. Well, I'm originally from Connecticut, and then uh, I moved in like second grade to Maine, and I grew up in Kittery. Oh, um, so the opposite. And then I went to Milo, school yeah. in Bangor. Yeah. Okay. Bangor's where I went to college. Yeah, uh, but I was up there for like ten years because I. I uh, uh, just stayed in college hiding from student loans for a while. I do miss it, though. I love coming back up. Anytime I can, like, book shows and stuff, I come back as much as possible. Uh, and, and I yeah, I miss Maine a lot. It's, uh, you know, that's it's where I'm from. You know, I, I was born in Connecticut, but I'm from Maine. Right. That's where I'm from. Yeah, yeah, you're a Mainer. And, and as you know, the beer scene here kind of blew up. And, you know, and Bissell is, is definitely one of the, yeah. you know, primary, uh, one of the kind of front runners there. Um, but again... I know, you know, Peter Bissell did the show a couple episodes ago. I know he'd have the same message out there for everybody. Just like, this is the really rough time, you know, support all the breweries, yeah. <laughs> support all the restaurants. And because uh, you want, you know, when if, if and when this is over, you know, you want to be able to go there again. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's hard, I guess, doing this because uh, it's just not funny at all. <laughs> it's just like such a shitty scenario. No, I know. <laughs> it's like... Yeah. The world is, you know, you know, it's, it's great not to have to wear pants half the week, but at the same time, you know, <laughs> the world is going to shit. So, yeah, support your local restaurants and your local breweries. Uh, and if you're in Maine, uh, definitely uh, seek out Bissell Brothers. They have their kind of flagship, the Substance IPA you probably know about, but many, many other beers um, and uh, well, Portland and Milo. And welcome back to episode 17, or technically season two, episode one, The Pandemic, with comedian Ray Harrington. Thanks for being here, Ray. Thank you for having me. I do appreciate it. And I was guess you, I would say you are a, a Portsmouth-based comedian now. Oh, uh, no. no you're, you're, yeah, you're all over <laughs> Wait, the place. Portsmouth? Oh, no, Portsmouth. Uh, Providence. Portsmouth. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, sorry. I was, I was getting, like, wait, I was what, getting those places mixed up. That was <laughs> <laughs> no. Don't worry about it. What, the they're basically the same. Portsmouth one is a little bigger. The Portsmouth Comedy Festival. If you can get on that, I think that would be a worthwhile venture. Ooh, for you. that's the one. That's the one to uh, to pop on. You really yeah, want to get on there. You really uh, want to because it's up and coming. It's up and coming. You know. It is. It is. And so am I. You know what I mean? So let's yeah. let's all we got to come together and yeah. uh, eventually we're going to hit Nashua and we're yeah. going to explode. And then you're going to be doing Marin. I promise you'll be on Marin before, you know, before you know. Yeah. I, I did the Portsmouth Festival. Based. I grew up without a dad. Come on, dude. Like, what's up? Yeah. Um, so tell me more about this Nashua Festival. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's that's a terrible Marin. But uh, that's I don't, I see, I didn't even know. There is a such thing as a Marin impressionist because he's just kind of he's just a little nasally. Yeah, but he he generally has like a very regular voice, I think. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, there's there's certain isms that you can pick up from him, yeah, but he has that uh, casual disdain you know, for everything. Yeah. 
yeah. do love Mark. But Maron. you know what? To 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 bring it back around because you were just uh, you just had a, a sponsor break, right? You had yep. an ad break, yep. um, and you were talking about the the area. And I wanted to say to you, and I wanted to make sure this happened on the show. And I'm sorry if I'm hijacking the 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 timeline here, but uh, I want to thank you in particular, Joe Riccio, for uh, introducing me to some really fantastic places because you know it this is your thing this is your scene you know it so well and uh and i trust your voice i think a lot of people do and um so just in in little ways like i've i've been introduced to so many fantastic places in portland and just around maine in general um to the point that uh slab pizza is i'm not kidding I I am a like con, like a convert. I am a Scientologist <laughs> at the highest level for slab pizza. Like I have ascended, and now I'm clear, and I can see everything. <laughs> like I love that place so much, and it's because you uh, connected that for me, right. and, I, and and I really appreciate that. You're very welcome, and I'm happy to do it. I I, I obviously love it here as well, and uh, even if I act kind of jaded and bitter sometimes, I, I I do love it. But the funny thing is about Slab brings us back to the episode of my show that you did. Um, oh yeah, the Food Coma Show, which was yeah. uh, a two episode experiment. The after Food Coma TV and between Off the Wagon with Joe Riccio. Um, so we would go to these restaurants. We only did two. We did one at Bresca, and we would uh, basically shoot one dinner. Like, you know, be there for like four hours, and the whole thing revolved around one dining experience. Uh, you know, the first one was like Spose and randomly Julie Parisian, the, the skier. Um, you know, it was, it was Joel and my, my old roommate Deets. But uh, the second episode we did was at Nosh, which is, you know, slab, same owner's. Uh, yeah, that's why, yeah, yeah, uh, and it was a great episode because we got I had I got Ray to come in. This was this was um, the day before Christmas, December twenty third, two thousand twelve. Uh, remember, I moved to Boston like a week later, but so we had this great show lined up, and it was like it was Ray and Barbara Lynch, uh, who obviously is a you know iconic chef, iconic Boston chef, uh, Joel once again, and and then uh, Sonia Tomlinson, but but that plate of or I wouldn't call it a plate. Remember that door of food that they put oh, on? Yeah. It was oh my like, god. Yeah. Literally they took like a, it was like a cutting board that was like seven feet long, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Just covered with every kind of thing you could imagine. Every kind of pickle, burger, chip. Like it was you were you, it was you, crazy. Yeah, you put it down. You were like, is this the the fuck poor people plate? Like the, yeah. <laughs> that's what this is, right? This is the fuck the poor people play. It was a pornographic level of delicious food. It was truly pornographic. Like this, something about it was X-rated. Yeah, Jason Loring how... just kind of went balls deep with it. He just like went all in and just, it was like yeah. the five of us, I feel like the five of us went at this thing like ravenously for two hours and it didn't. It looked probably the same as when it came out. Like that's how much food was on the. It was in. crazy. But the the thing about it was it it was all like locally sourced. It was all super fresh stuff. It was like the top of each thing you could have. I like one of the things that still sticks in my mind is like these delicious like slices of toasted bread with fresh honeycomb to put on top, and like brie cheese and stuff. It was insane. 
and all the food was so good and uh i i stuffed myself silly and i remember after we shot the thing i was like laying on the the benches yeah Yeah, just moaning (laughs) and then i was in town because my grandmother was having like our christmas dinner together right so so i had to leave that yeah, I had to leave that and then go there. Oh. And I remember everybody having Christmas dinner, and I was just laying on the couch like, no, I'm good. I'm good. I just need to sleep for <laughs> and you're like, like I two hours. I can't actually ever explain to you what I just experienced because you wouldn't understand yeah. it. Like, the- I think about that meal, I think, once a month, I think about that meal of just like, <laughs> man, remember that one time? That was, oh, my God. That was very um, Caligula-esque, I think. That was like a yeah. that was a Roman emperor's spread. Yeah, it it reminds me of like what uh like uh King Henry VIII would yeah. be eating. Like he would be eating it all with his hands. Right. He had more like joints of meat and whatnot. But yeah, it would be that, yeah, it, yeah. You know, it was that. Scope. No, this is his lunch. This that was is his, his yeah. lunch. Right. That was, that was so he's not having like a ham hock. Spa food. Yeah. That's Henry VIII's <laughs> spa food. Um, Bring in another wife. I want to look at her. <laughs> yeah, you know, I remember. I remember. It helped because you were getting so full, and I, I, I kept making you, uh, kept asking you what Mark Wahlberg would think about things, and you're like, I swear to God, oh I'm going to fucking pass out, because I can't do both. Yeah, because I hyperventilate when I do it, and I was <laughs> like, I can't do this anymore. I can't do this anymore. But that was that was such a great time, and uh, yeah, and that's how I met uh, Jason, Jason Loring, and, yeah. um, and it's so funny, because after that, like, we were going to do a screening for Be a Man a few years later, <laughs> right, we're and into, yeah. I wanted to... Uh, get in touch with Jason because I figured, oh, this will be a good connection with Nosh. And uh, and he was like, actually, uh, Slab, I think we can get down with that for Slab. And I was like, oh, okay, I've heard great things. And that night of the screening, I went in and had Slab for the first time. And that's when my life changed. That's when I, I discovered the greatest it uh, is delicious. form of pizza ever. <laughs> it is. It's, it's, it's a, a one-pound slab of pizza. It is, it is delicious. I uh, It's like... You certainly don't need more than one. I don't think. No, no. Personally, you know, we're big guys, and I, we don't need more than one. I don't think. Uh, yeah, it's slab so is delicious. Good. I like the sweetness in the sauce. You know, it's it's like a almost like pizza meets focaccia kind of situation. Yeah, the the crust blows my mind because it's it's so thick, and immediately you think of like a deep dish pizza. Um, but deep dish is heavy and greasy, right? And I don't, I don't know what's happening with that crust, but it's light and almost biscuity. Yeah, yeah it is, and it's actually just as good cold as it is hot. It's really yes, it delicious is, cold. I, yeah, I, it's become a routine. Whenever I come up to Maine to do a show, I know I'm going to stop at Slab nice. either on the way up or on the way back, and then I always grab some and bring it home. Uh, and it's gotten to the point where uh, Derek Furtado, another comic I work with, I'll bring so him we're to open about for, him, me yep. for shows. Yeah, and uh, now it's at the point where, like, the last time I called him and said, hey, are you free on this date? Do you want to open for me up in Bangor? He was like, oh, hell yeah, slab. And, like, we just knew <laughs> nice, that's what we were going to do. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah, it's the best. That's all I, I get about, I mean, in a certain way, uh, about going to Massachusetts. I'm like, oh, yeah, roast beef sandwich. Like, it was Bill and Bob's. Oh, it's yeah. not called Bill and Bob's anymore next to Cappy's, but, like, you know. I love that. Like, that's the reason to go. Like, I'll go do this show, but can we have roast beef after? Because that's what I really, yeah. you know, <laughs> that's what we're kind of gunning yeah. for here. Now, you uh, transitioned into, so I mean, you have a very varied comedy career. I mean, it started with, you know, 
uh, Travis Eatering, but obviously moved on to, to stand up. Uh, and then you started doing a lot of uh, video projects. And I remember one of the first ones I saw was the vacation. Is it the vacation? Is oh, that... yeah. The uh, relax. Relax. And it was like a short, yeah, short yeah. film that uh, where <laughs> you were like this incredibly introverted. Uh, I don't know. How would you explain weirdo? yourself in that? <laughs> weirdo. Yeah, I was a weirdo. <laughs> the glasses, I was definitely a the glasses weirdo. helped. Yeah. <laughs> And yeah, like yeah. I, like, I wouldn't trust uh, that guy. Yeah, but he that guy has a time. He definitely has a time. Yeah, yeah. And it's funny because that was um, that really kind of started a lot of the, the stuff that came afterwards. Um, uh, that video, we made that um, as part of the 48 hour film festival. Yeah. And uh, that's across the the world that's a that's like a global thing that happens in all these different cities across the country and then across the the world um and it's like a it's a competition where you have 48 hours to make a short film it has to be it has to be uh, you know six minutes like on the dot basically yeah um and they give you like everybody meets at one place the night before it starts and you draw uh, what genre you're going to get out of a hat and you what, don't know what that's going to be. What genre was that? Uh, thankfully we got, Oh no, now I don't remember Uh travel film. I was going to say, I would have or, no idea. No, how to... Comedy. Okay. It, I think it was comedy. Oh, okay. I think we got straight up comedy or dark comedy either way. Um, so you're, you're just fingers crossed. You get something you like that's that you can make funny yeah. uh, for, <laughs> you know, guys like me. And yeah. uh, uh, so, and then there's, requirements that everybody has to hit and it's a character name um one sentence of dialogue and an object like a prop that you have to have in the in the short the lighter and ev uh no it was the hubcap uh, oh yeah you smashed the guy's beat somebody up with yeah Yeah. they it it, we had to have a hubcap i can't uh, the character was a there had to be a um a dear abby kind of column a columnist and that's how yep. we used uh, the therapist. Yep. And then um, the line of dialogue, I, I can't remember what that was now, but everybody had to use that. And I think that's really interesting. It's like, oh, look, here's the parameters. Like, here are the guidelines that you have to work with. Can you make something really good in such a short amount of time? And I'm happy with what we pulled out. Yeah. Um, and we, uh, so we won the Rhode Island uh, uh, part of it, and we went on to the big... Uh, you know the, the the international part of it, the festival uh, in Hollywood uh, called Filmapalooza, and that's where we saw everybody else's films, and uh, it was a really fun time. It yeah. was really cool to do that. Um, and I mean, oh, the the team that won that year, like when I saw that film screening in our our block, it was uh, the Paris team, and they were fucking incredible. Like to this day, I think of that short film, and really? I'm like, that is bulletproof it's it's impeccable um and you know made a lot of connections there with people from all over the world uh as far as like mongolia it was just ridiculous like all these people and um one of the people i became friends with from that uh was uh the editor of the london teams film and so years later uh, you know, a couple of years later, uh, I'm having a conversation with, uh, again, Derek Furtado yep. about, uh, you know, talking about having a kid with my wife. And and we started talking about that stuff. And, you know, it led to wanting to make a documentary. 
And uh, so that's how we made Be a Man. And we shot Be a Man um, uh, right around that time. My wife told me she was pregnant. I was like, oh, okay, we're making this yeah. fucking thing. <laughs> and which I was definitely going to uh, lead into uh, Be a Man. We're going to talk about Oh, it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But the, the crazy thing is, from that six-minute short film, the editor uh, uh, that was in London, uh, Joey Fallon, um, he ended up editing Be a Man because we met him there. And he was our editor, and it was crazy. I mean, it, it was weird editing, you know, as the director, like having conversations with him, you know, five hour, uh, five hours apart, you know, him in London. Like, I would go to bed and send him notes. I would wake up, and he would have done those notes, and then we have to go back and forth some more. A lot of, like, Skype conversations, yeah. figuring stuff out. But, uh, yeah, and we never would have met each other doing that. And then screening that, uh, the first festival we did for Be a Man, I meet this guy, Lee Leshen, who was the producer on a documentary that was uh, screening like right next to ours, uh, Back in Time, the Back to the Future documentary. Yes. Yeah, and, and that's the future. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so so your whole film was coming together. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. And he walks, uh, he walks, uh, walks over to me after our screening. We start talking. He stuck around because we had Tom Wilson in Be a Man, uh, Biff from Back to the Future. And famously, like, he doesn't want to talk about Back to the Future. So uh, Lee Leshen <laughs> walks up to me and he's like, you got Tom Wilson. How the fuck did you get Tom Wilson? We couldn't get him for the Back to the Future documentary. So, but that's how we became friends. We met there. And then, uh, you know, he became the producer on this, uh, this pilot that we did uh, on Dependent and, you know, doing all that stuff. And, and that was the connection that led to, uh, you know, connecting with the booker for Conan. So it's it's insane to think like all of those things trickle back down to this dumb 48 hour film project that we did where we were sitting there going, well, what if it was a guy who didn't talk at all? Yeah, not one he word just goes on this, crazy this whole thing. And you can still find that on YouTube, right? Yeah, yeah, I think it's still up on my uh, my YouTube channel. Yeah, uh, Ray Harrington, relax. And it's funny because I even noticed from that, like the the woman that your character sleeps with, she shows up and be a man as part of the panel. Yeah, that's right. That is right. Yeah, I didn't even realize it until after the panel was done, because uh, I had really? I had like zero sleep. Yeah, I had no sleep. While was, we were that was the first that thing I noticed. Hours. I was like, she was in the the other one. <laughs> Relax. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, I, I like I. That whole process of making relax, I don't remember anything because it was I, I was up for that forty eight hours, and you know by the end of it, you're just like, what? Okay. I have definitely and, uh, employed so. the term beach herpes before because of your. <laughs> I, I was referring to some bathing suit I had that like wasn't comfortable. Uh, I wore it for an extended period of time, and then referred to myself as having beach herpes because of you, yeah. your character. <laughs> you were flopping around in the. Jersey Shore, oh, or whatever. The it was. red tide. The red it was tides. the red tide. It was in Newport, Rhode Island, and it was that season was like this terrible red tide season. You were just in uh, it, dude. You were in that red tide. It was tide. gross. It was the worst. <laughs> so I threw away gross. all those clothes. It, they were gone. Yeah, it was done. It was disgusting. Yeah, um, but amazing. Yeah, I, I highly recommend. Before I, I obviously well, I want to get into be a man right now, but um, before I get into that do check out relax it's sort of a blast from ray's past but it's awesome uh which as he's been saying led into in 2016 um your first kind of full-length film uh called be yeah, a man yeah. so ray you know grew up without a dad uh grew up uh, generally more inf influenced by and, and brought up by women than than, than men uh found out he yeah. was having a child with his wife uh and 
wanted to provide his son with more than just the feminine, you know, to, to be like, you know, what is it like to be a man? Because I feel like he should he should be able to identify with both. Yeah, I because uh, I, I was having a conversation with Derek on the phone in my backyard and I was and just how long have you worked with Derek everything. Furtado? He's, he's another Rhode Island comedian, right? Yeah, we met uh, when I moved down here in 2010 or 11, 2011. Yeah. And we just started, you know, we doing were both stand up kind together of at the same. Yeah, yeah. We were doing stand up together and he was at like the same level. Uh, it was it was kind of a collective thing. Myself, Derek and uh, Brian Bowden, another comic. Yeah. We kind of clicked and we became a group of, of guys because we were all just trying to do the same thing. We were all at the same point in stand up of like dipping our toe in headlining and seeing right. what we were doing. Well, the chemistry and, uh, so you have just, with Derek is is crazy. It's like you guys are spot on together. I think. Oh yeah, yeah. There's a there's a very good back and forth that we have. It's a you know there's a lot of yin and yang there. And um, but uh, yeah. So I was talking to him and I I was just ranting about how alien the idea of being a parent was to me and being a dad. And I just kept coming back down to like I don't know what it looks like. You know what I mean? I don't know what it looks like for a dad to be. Uh, in the kitchen making a peanut butter and jelly sandwich or something because I don't know. I was like, I don't even know what it means to be a man. And we started ranting about that and going uh, going down those paths. And um, and then it just became a thing of just kind of writing down all these different aspects of masculinity that I only knew through m movies and TV. And, um, and we had been talking about possibly doing a different documentary uh, at the time. And then it was like, no, 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 this is what we should do. And then it became like a personal passion project where I got to document this thing right before my son was born. And so my heart was in it. And at that point, it was like, OK, I'm, I'm going to go in all in on this thing and make a feature length film, which is insane. I can't believe it. it we were able to do it and we could pull it off. Um but it's super personal, and I think uh, I think my wife is lucky that I had something to freak out about. Right. Well, it was super personal, but it wasn't in the way that like watching like Howard Stern private parts was. It was actually honest. You know? Yeah, like, yeah. Was, oh, that and that was were, the thing too. Is like, you know? yeah, no. Uh, right away at the beginning, because I was I was both the subject and the director of this thing, and I wanted to make sure like everybody I talked to, I was like, we are only real we're not gonna fake anything we're not gonna re redo anything and don't try to be funny just be real, just be real. and yeah. the funny will come trust that we Absolutely. are funny people don't act it came. yeah it, 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 it yeah. is right out of the gate with vinnie packs because your first uh, yeah. vinnie packs his is a ray's first sort of trial is is learning how to fight and he taps this boxer. Vinny That's Pax, what I thought it was going to be. Fucking hilarious. <laughs> uh, and he just beats the shit out of Ray. Uh, pretty good. Um, yeah. But like, yeah. The, he's just, the way he's antagonizing you, like, I don't know. Like, I've shown that film to several people. And whenever, that's like the, the always, I'm like, I, I love that scenes first because that's like the real hook. Like, of you yeah, being yeah, yeah. like, this is a genuine thing. Like, Ray doesn't, this, none of this is really staged at all. Like, Ray doesn't right, really know right. what he's no, getting no, into with this guy. Yeah. yeah. He was, he liked how big, he's like, I like how big and fat he is because that way he gives me a lot of room to hit. You know, he's, he's just yeah, like, yeah. Ripping oh my on God. You, dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And this was a guy, the only way I knew him, I mean, keep in mind, I, uh, yeah, the only way I knew him was as like a um, kind of, uh, you know, 
bigger than life kind of uh, reputation in in this area. Uh, five time world champion boxer, and he was just a guy who would come to the comedy club and he became a fan. And so he would always see me. Awesome. He's like, "Oh Ray, I love you, man. You're fucking hilarious." You know, stuff like that. I'm like, "Okay, well, I'm trying to learn this thing for a documentary. Oh, Vinny can teach me how to box. This will be good." And then I show up there, and he's like, "No, you shouldn't be in the ring. You shouldn't be in the ring, Ray. And I'm going to show you why." And oh, I'm like, "Oh, awesome. what the fuck is going it's on? So you're just supposed it's to teach so me, man. You, you just teach Dude, me." Dude, you're and then so Derek scared. Is, you know, antagonizing. Derek's antagonizing him, pushing it, egging him on, like. Uh, you're you're genuinely terrified right yes. from the beginning of yeah. this movie which is amazing like that sets the tone yeah. um it's awesome. he doesn't beat you up that bad he gives you a little slaps you around a little bit yeah no he 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 gave me one solid punch that just showed me what the real deal was and i was like oh yeah i'm good yeah, i'm good set. Yeah, don't need to, don't need to yep. experience that I, again now i know yeah. now <laughs> i know thanks so much and uh yeah that was uh that was not fun it was fun to watch afterwards but not fun to do <laughs> no, he, he's a and terrifying then, guy he's like that guy that like you're getting drunk with and doing blow with or whatever and like you know they think it's funny to start punching you and you're trying to laugh at first like haha and i get it guy but please stop and they're like no no oh, you know like yeah. that like uncomfortably yeah. building situation like in boogie nights where they sell you know that were sister christians playing there he's like that guy yes yeah <laughs> like, where it's it's all fun until it stops until being it stops fun, being you know? fun. Or, you know, christopher and the sopranos the episode with john favreau where they're hanging out doing coke together and christopher starts getting rowdy with john he clearly does not like that yeah 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 it's like that he's that guy yeah he likes to uh, get rowdy he, yeah <laughs> he's uh no but he's he is a, a really uh uh you know nice guy i, I don't can't think he would have done the, it if he wasn't a nice guy i mean right i mean right. he's hilarious he was hilarious dude i i laughed my ass off that whole sequence at your expense mostly, but I mean, it's pretty amazing. Cause I can tell you didn't think oh. you're like, Oh, this is going to be fun. And then the minute you realize yeah. that you're not only committed to it, but it's not going to be fun. <laughs> it's going to be scary as shit. Oh, I was so mad at Derek yeah. because I was, you know, I got used to this kind of pattern of being a director while the cameras were off and making sure everything got laid out. And then once the cameras were rolling, letting it go, trusting the guys that were shooting and the crew that I had and just being uh, just me, not worried about behind the camera stuff because I couldn't. It was it would have been disingenuous for me to do that. Right. And uh, I was so mad at Derek at that point. Like when he walks up, I think it's in. Yeah, it's in the, the movie when he walks up and he's like, hey, I think I I think I did too good a job yeah. of winding him up. <laughs> I was so mad because all I was thinking is like, we're shooting the drinking segment tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's good. I that was can't... convenient, actually. I mean, yeah, but I could. I was worried that like if he hurt me too much uh, and, and fucked me up, I, then I wouldn't be able to shoot the next thing. Oh, you know what? And... The more fucked up you are, the better you are at drinking. I know that from personal experience. Oh, that is true. You should have called true, me. Yeah. By the way, I would have fucking walked you through some. I want to tell oh, you yeah, how to yeah, drink, yeah. Ray. I want to tell you how to fucking drink. <laughs> um, yeah, Derek likes to do that. He, uh, especially when it's the you're being judged by all the women. He has that whole like you know get it in. Thing. Oh like, man! <laughs> if you want to talk about fear, the one thing I wish we could have conveyed in that moment in the the jury of women, because in, in that moment, so there, if, were there uh, five topics? Seen it. Five topics or four? I think it's five. It's yeah. Drinking, yeah. fighting, cars. 
uh, like grooming and clothing. Grooming, and uh, oh my God, yeah. your shaving scene. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Oh yeah. Straight razor. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh my God. But no, that, that, yeah. The jury of women was the idea of like, okay, I'm going to wear the clothes that I'm supposed to wear. I'm going to present myself to women that well, don't know Your friend know was me. hilarious. The guy who was dressing you, he was, uh, he was on, he was on. Yeah. Andrew Williams. Yeah. Yeah. He's great. Yeah, he's great. And uh, and and then I would just stand there. And the the key was, I don't want to talk. I just want p- them to look at me and give me uh, their Im- first impression of how masculine I am. Yeah. That was the co- that was the. I was curious as to what that yeah experiment. what the evolution of that topic yeah that 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 judgment and was. Derek panicked. <laughs> Derek went out. And he was just supposed to introduce it. Thank you for coming. So this is what we're going to do. Here's Ray. Because I can't say that beforehand. They can't see me. I'm behind a curtain, you know, in another room. And uh, he went out there and he blanked and got scared. <laughs> and his face turned red. And he just got like His eyes right get really wide moment. when he gets nervous. He, he really big yeah. dog out. Yeah. Yeah, and that's why he panicked and went with, uh, yeah, when you look at Ray, uh, you know, what do you think? See, uh, you know, if you'd, uh, you know, let him buy you a drink at a, at a bar, maybe uh, get it in. Get it in. And, I, <laughs> and I'm in the back, and I'm like, what are the you fuck fucking was that, talking dude? about? Yeah. This is not, you have changed the parameters of this whole thing, you know? How masculine is Ray versus would you re- let Ray fuck you yeah. is a whole different thing. <laughs> And then I walk out like, hi. hi. <laughs> You're like on that rotating stage all over again, basically. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, it's terrifying. But I think it's so funny that he is acting like I shouldn't be scared to get in the ring with Vinny Pazienza. Yeah. <laughs> and then we get to the jury of women and he's terrified to just introduce me. It's like, dude, you're not getting judged. you're not doing anything you're just here to go hey here's here's the product to look at you know and you said the other guys that andrew walsh uh andrew williams another uh, williams i'm sorry yeah yeah he didn't he didn't choose to put you in any in the pajama jeans for that no 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 pajama jeans no (laughs) you and derek rock that's a jeans yeah that's a that's a um that's a good poll. That's for, that's from a way back time. That's from uh, stuff that I I took down. It's uh it's really it's behind the, it's fucking uh, hilarious. Yeah, it's unlisted. It's unlisted on YouTube right now. Um, <laughs> Pajama jeans—they're just, just it, like yeah. sweatpants jeans, right? I mean, it's no, they're stretchy jeans. There's yeah, yeah. Oh no, they're they're like fake, fake Jean. jeans. They're they're like right. a sweatpanty material that that looks like jeans. I had that when I was in third grade. I had a pair of black stonewashed pajama jeans. Essentially, they were sweatpants, but they look stonewashed. Yeah, I I think it's interesting. Like I have a six year old now. He just turned six. But what I've noticed is so many of the clothes, like the pants that he wears, at like all the way through toddler times to now. It slowly became what adults are wearing now over the past like five years, like pajama jeans, uh, anything with like a stretchy waist, track pants, uh, or no, sorry, joggers, joggers with the elastic yep. cuff and stuff like yeah. that. It's like, oh, oh that's yeah. what that's what toddlers wear. Yeah, that is the one beauty of the the, the era, the era of the, the pandemic fashion, is nobody, you know, people are gonna miss not having to worry about what they wear, about you know. Like I've been yeah. wearing the same shit for a long time. <laughs> yeah, dude, I I, uh, I combed my hair today. I was yeah. like, oh, look at this. I put my contacts <laughs> in when I want to dress up. You know, that's what I do. Yeah, like, yeah I'll go contacts today. Dress the up around I the have office, to put Joe. Jeans on. The day I have to put jeans on again, it's gonna feel like I am. <laughs> I like, tried dressing the other day to dude, meet the queen. I tried. It was the worst. 
Um, I felt like yeah. uh, <laughs> circulation was just What's not buckle? happening. Yeah, I was like, no, there's, yeah, definitely things were being cut into. You know, it wasn't great. Um, yeah. <laughs> what do you think, Mark Wahlberg would think about this whole situation, right? I would die. I, I truly would die right now if I if I did the Mark Wahlberg. Come on, voice. Come I really on, would. Come on, Ray. Come on, Ray. It's no, it's just <laughs> panting. It's panting and stuff, and my my sinuses are all clogged up. I, I would just pass out. I, <laughs> if you want to see Ray do his Mark Wahlberg, which is brilliant, you can watch the Nosh episode of the Food Coma Show, which is on YouTube. I'll let him go check it out there. I'll, and I I'll, highly I'll recommend it. Yeah, which by the way, that's still such a fun show, and I mean the concept is great. Just a, a like you get a group of interesting people together, have a meal. Um, you know, I had a lot of fun doing it. I would do it again in a heartbeat. And we had fun having you. And I, I, it's uh, I thought it was really funny when Barbara, because like the the director, remember D. Merrill, he was like very into it. You know, he was like really going. I remember like Barbara like during the scene getting up like with her phone and like taking pictures of stuff and he's like can you sit down please like we're trying to yeah manage shit. this is like at 10 in the morning and i remember actually funny thing is i had to do a set that night at um matthews i connor mcgrath had got me to agree to do a comedy show or, or do a do a a set whatever at this comedy night thing that was at 10 p.m and so i didn't stop drinking at all of course but like I remember just getting up there and it was just like me interacting with all these bar patrons. And I couldn't tell you how it actually went. I think <laughs> people were oh, laughing. Man. I don't really know. It was like one of those things where I was like, yeah, did that even happen? Like I woke up the next day and I was like, it was probably the fifth thing I thought of. I was like, oh, you did a comedy bit yesterday. Like you did a set. Yeah. Like, yeah. Was, I'm like, just based on that day alone, 10 p.m. Would have been like three days later. Oh yeah, uh, no, we're based going, on how we felt. Going hard. Uh, yeah, now, I remember it being like eleven thirty, and I'm like, "Hey, I think I'm drunk." Yeah, and it's eleven thirty, and there's yeah. more food coming. Dude, it was crazy. Um, bacchanalia. That was feel bacchanalia. Gilfaisan bacchanalia. Ah, it was a bacchanalia. Chumped, I'm sure. Uh, yeah. The, uh, <laughs> So I, I obviously not, I don't want to uh, finish this conversation without discussing your current project, which is Undependent. Oh sure, yeah. Uh, which I watched. I watched the two two episodes of. There only uh, have any more come out or? No, no, just the two. The, the two. Yeah. Okay. It was it was originally going to be a two episode pilot uh, that we were shopping. Um, we were talking to True TV for a while, and uh, and this this concept came out of leaving be a man and being done with it and being like well what do we right. want to do next that's the whole premise that's the thing. it's like a spin-off of the movie because you start the whole yeah. show starts out with you in the interview you're like i have a film yeah. you know uh yeah i, I will say well, going back to what we were talking about earlier with like the current infatuation with historical whatnots uh the hitler documentary i thought was a great idea even when you were joking about it oh sure yeah 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 i, uh, I have a penchant for talking about uh hitler and hypothetical scenarios it, yeah. it, it came from uh derek and i were doing a podcast for a while and it got to a point where like at some point in every episode uh derek would be like what do you think hitler would do with that and yeah. we would just go down this path. i remember you referring to twizzlers as hitler's candy uh in a set one time oh really yeah get and you were like twizzle who likes twizzlers and you're like gives them the candy <laughs> Like, cause yeah. how disappointing it would be to be in a concentration camp thinking you're going to get candy and then get Twizzlers. Like that was the, your oh, whole yeah. premise there. 
Hitler's candy. Well, that sounds fun. I I don't remember it, but it sounds like I, I guess. I, well, how I, the I fuck do I remember it. all this shit, Rick? You're good. I need you around. I, I might have dementia. I'm starting. I'm I'm a little concerned now. <laughs> well, I, I don't know. Yeah, I guess. I think I have a. It's a blessing and a curse having a photographic memory, because I remember things that I really don't want to remember. But then yeah, it helps though yeah. when I'm trying to think about things like this. So anyway, you have a Hitler thing. <laughs> oh man i hope somebody like got distracted with something while they're listening to this and then they come back and they're like so you have a hitler thing what this guy has a thing for hitler how much memorabilia well, you can't even find the memorabilia it's weirdly expensive and people gobble it up like the so many collectors oh, and good luck good luck with provenance on that you <laughs> yeah, know yeah right <laughs> Do you have documentation? No, I really don't. Yeah. I, know. I have an old picture of him. He's wearing those socks, I swear. Yeah. Did you see um, Jojo Rabbit? Oh, my God. I I loved that movie. Wonderful. So I was, much. like, so expecting to hate it because that's how I am. I, I always start from one to hate things uh, when they infringe on my territory at all, you know, where I'm like, okay. Yeah. And when, I, when I hear them comparing things to, like, the producers or – or whatever, yeah, and I'm like, yeah. it, it, you know, I'm like, look at them trying to be edgy, but then you watch it, and you're like, this is Sam Rockwell, and that is uh, a pure delight. Uh, yeah, oh, Taika Waititi, Taika, he, that guy is, is is like the versatility that he has. It's insane. You can't like he's so good. He makes me mad because I want to be like you. Cannot have impeccable talent. As a writer, as a director, and as a performer, dude, he narrates this like park Amazon thing about the, all, the New Zealand All Blacks, the All or Nothing, which is one of the best yeah, sports. Yeah, yeah. He's the narrator for that. I just checked it yeah, randomly, and I was amazing. like, "What?" Like, give him, give him all the money, and let him make whatever he wants because he's he's amazing. And it, like the razor thin line. That he has to balance on to make that movie work. Oh my god, it was incredible. The, the, yeah, there's so many great lines from that movie, and it yeah. works on so many levels. And they just like in a, in a because we, we we honestly we do live in kind of a Nazi obsessed culture now. Like, sure, there are every day a new documentary comes out or another movie. It's like people like all of a sudden just jumped on World War II all over again. And, well, I think it's always been that way, though. Yeah. I think everybody's been interested. Well, we just have we love more evil empires. Uh, we, avenues to get. We it. love evil. We love yeah. you know. And plus, they have such snappy uniforms. They're way better than ours. So they're designed by Hugo Boss, who was a Nazi. I don't know if you knew that. Right, right, yeah. The black and silver with the skulls and stuff. So it's like you know, yeah, that's a smart look. And but that is my. Uh, I am intrigued with like the very basic. Um, mundane human things that Hitler would have to do. That's what I get excited. Well, that's what the document. That's what you wanted to do the show about on the show. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I do like that idea. Like the, the the candy thing was lifted directly from a conversation that we had on the podcast, Eric and I, and because uh, I do like that idea of just he's a guy like. At some point, Hitler had diarrhea, and that yeah. makes me happy. Yeah, you know, like I just like that. Like, oh, I can't, go, I can't go today. You know, no. like stuff like that makes me happy. Uh, so yeah, we worked that into the the documentary or the uh, sorry, <laughs> the, the show, Undependent. Right, and uh, it's one of my favorite bits because it, there's there's a there's a fun dynamic happening there. But um, in short, the show is a mockumentary, um, where these two guys just made a a, a documentary. 
and now they don't know what to do next, but they're cynically just horny for success. They want to make something really, really successful. They have to strike while the Not iron is hot. necessarily good. Yeah. 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 And uh, so the, the, the conceit of the show is they're going to f- try and figure this out, and every week they're going to take on, every episode, they're going to take on another documentary uh, subject or genre. Uh, food documentary we have one written for that um you know different different things and uh meanwhile the camera crew that they work with is always filming so we watch through the eyes of the camera crew it's like you're watching the happen. making of a mockumentary that's supposed to be a making of it so you're sort of removed twice yeah yeah it's like it's yeah exactly and and so you know it's like it's basically like what if the office uh, had the camera crew turn the cameras on themselves. That's right. kind of where the, the 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 idea of the show, uh, you know, is heading. But um, yeah, so the, you know, we wrote this thing originally as a web series, and then um, Lee Leshin, the producer on Be a Man, uh, said, "If you make this a web series and just put it out, I'll I'll kill you. Like this is <laughs> really good, and I yes. want to." back this and make sure it happens and so we started talking with some people and then true tv came into the mix and we were doing stuff with that and uh so we made this two episode pilot um because the format is different we needed an extra episode to really show what this is uh yeah, and so you know, the first episode is more just like this is why it looks because the way it I does. did this film, and, then, and yeah, 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 yeah. And then the second episode is a more traditional what it would be every episode. Um, so we shot that in four fucking days in New York, um, and I, it's it's interesting. This goes all the way back to the forty eight hour film festival idea. the The concept of shooting two full length, you know, comedy uh, twenty two minute. Uh, episodes of com- comedy television in four days is batshit insane. Fucking insane. Yeah, it shouldn't happen. Uh, but that's what we were. That's and what we were expensive. facing. That's what we could do. Uh, yeah, yeah. And so we were, you know, we were doing a lot of stuff on handshakes and favors and stuff like that. Like our uh, our DP, director of photography, was uh, a guy who was shooting on um, comedians and cars getting coffee. We were just lucky to have him there. You know, totally. and, and to, for him to get it, I had to rely on him so much because, again, I was, you know, directing this thing that I was also in front of the camera on. Um, and this was our foray into like actual acting. And, you know, because after Be a Man, everybody was like, this is really great. Can you act? Yeah, you said Can this you was write? your first scripted. Yeah, so we wanted to make something that we could showcase that stuff with. And uh, I'm, I'm really happy with it. And we're going to do some, some stuff with it, uh, I think. I don't want to get too specific about it right now, but um, because of the uh, the world right now right. and the, yeah. and the lockdowns yeah, and yeah, yeah, quarantines, yeah. I I have a feeling we're gonna yeah we're gonna do something special with it um, now. Uh, so yeah, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna burn it in a big barrel. No, uh, <laughs> <laughs> by special I mean yeah, make a scene. Yep. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna do a Facebook Live feed of the barrel as it burns, and uh, and it'll be really fun. <laughs> be but nice. no, that it, I'm really happy that we got to make that, and um, it's again, I think it's there's there's some personal stuff in it for sure, and uh, I think it's fun, uh, and and it was really fun to break the fourth wall so much, um, and everybody was great in it. I mean, oh my god, the the actor Micah that plays the troll, uh, the troll he was yeah. amazing. 
He's, he's just very fantastic. polite. Yeah, you know, you love it. when you couldn't decide whether to slap his laptop on the floor. Oh, <laughs> you know? He's yeah. great, and he uh, it blew my mind because uh, you know I directed him in those scenes, and he was so good. Like he has an improv background, so he really came from that that place, and it was awesome to play off of him. As you know, this was day like three and four. I was exhausted, and for him to come in and be ready to play uh elevated what i was doing there's so much stuff in those scenes that wasn't on the page uh the like the vaping all that stuff what kind of you know what flavor is this it's a mild custard very creamy you know all that stuff was just playing around and uh he's great and then like uh, a month later i'm watching uh high maintenance on hbo which is a fantastic show and there's micah he's in the show (laughs) And he's doing an incredible job in that. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is crazy. Like, yeah. <laughs> that guy is in Undependent as the troll. You know, yeah. it's the Internet troll, the piece of shit. You know, it's it's so fun. Um, but, yeah, it was I'm really happy we got to make that. And uh, and we'll see what happens. Um, True TV was an interesting experience to to converse with. But you just that was just, um, a, that was just a conversation at this point. Yeah. Uh yeah 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 oh I, I, yeah. we could talk about that off. No, off, I, off I, I had off some mind. experience with it was at the Kowloon. Those kind of conversations. Yes, no, yes. No, I've, I've, I've had those kind of conversations in my past as well, and understand what you're probably saying about that. Yeah yes. yeah yeah. <laughs> Things are fickle. Um, I will say in this day and age, I think that one of the single most underrated series of all time is uh, documentary now. Absolutely, yeah. That's a that's a great show. Yeah. That's a that's such a good show. The attention to detail. Um, I love the, just the yeah. The, it, it, obviously, it helps if you've seen what they're not what they're doing the mockumentary of, uh, yeah. or spook or knockoff of whatever. But what, what made me think of it is when you were talking about the food one. I was thinking about they did one. One loves chi- rice and chicken. They do Jiro. Oh yes. Jiro dreams of sushi. Yeah, and they just but they just like every little thing. Like if you've seen what they're knocking off. Like you see, like they pay attention to every last detail and it's ridiculous. Like it's very good. Yeah. They're gray gardens episode. I think that that might be like the first. first Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That is like peak where they take the thing and, and play with it to such a great degree that I will never see gray gardens (laughs) the same way again, which is insane because gray gardens is crazy. Yeah. Yeah, they're they're uh, they're fantastic. Yeah. I love those. It's funny. Season uh, so three, much. Bill Hader does not appear in any of them, but he still is a producer and writer of the show. Uh, that was interesting. But uh, yeah, I, I think that's probably because of Barry. Uh, I imagine with Barry happening, he was he was over on that side. Yeah, but it's like I mean the whole uh, but the, the roster like is like Seth Meyers, him, Fred Armisen, forget one of the person that the, the primary creators and writers of that show is is crazy. Yeah, it's so much fun. Like it's, uh, I like an anthology kind of vibe like that, and um, uh, you know, letting them play is just like, yes, please go, go make, go make, and this will be fun. It's funny because you hear Bill Hader talk about on like he was on, he did uh, Conan's podcast, and he was like the whole time, you know, like it came out, and now I'm hearing people like love it, but he's like for like a year, like I didn't hear a single thing. He's like, would have been nice if somebody came up and was like, hey, man. That's really good. Like <laughs> he's like he's like I just assumed it was terrible because nobody you know I never heard a single thing about it. We just put it out there, you know. Uh, oh man, that's it's freaking awesome. Uh, 
I felt the need to bring that up. Like I said, when you were talking about the, the, the food documentary, um, totally. Yeah. For you, next steps is basically is, uh, uh, right now it's a waiting game. Literally. Uh, look, I, I've, I've been thinking a lot about it and, and because of what's going on, um, part of me is, you know, super frustrated that, uh, you know, I just did Conan and while this, yeah, this timing starting sucks. to have murmurs. Yeah. Yeah. And so there is momentum involved with that. And, you know, with this industry, like that's the deal. Like yeah. you do something like that. It's not overnight, but that helps the ball rolling and all that stuff. And, and, you know, I, there were so many conversations that had started even before Conan and, you know, and then Conan sped those conversations up and a lot of things were in the works and then it all ground to a halt. Uh, so really right now it's just waiting to see what happens with the world and when industry gets back to work. So I'm frustrated with it, but I'm also really grateful that I got to do it right before this happened. Exactly. Um, you might, you know, you might look back on it and be like, well, I had a long break that I'll never have again. Yeah, I'm know, glad. Like, uh, yeah. And dark days, I'm like, well, I'm glad I got to do, um, you know, a late night set on the show, the late night show that I love the most. Uh, right before all of comedy died, everything you yeah, know what yeah, I mean? yeah. <laughs> so, before the whole world just stopped. You know, it's just like yeah. So I got that. I got that on my tombstone. That'll be fine if they still make tombstones. Who will be? Who's going to make the tombstone? the tombstone? Yeah, yeah. Who will carve yeah. it? I have no idea. <laughs> I did think it was funny. And did you see the uh, the Irishman with Scorsese? Yes. Whether he, he got, he, did you see that? I did. Yeah, they, that they, they got, that felt like a quarantine in of in and of itself. It did. Yeah. Now they had, uh, but I enjoyed his choice of Action Bronson to be the casket salesperson at the end. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, <laughs> that's all, that is that's Action. All Bronson. I can think of when you just said that, I was like, yeah, Action Bronson's ran. Like, Yo, you gotta get this Holy fucking marble shit. and shit. You know, this greens fucking. You know, fucking, oh. you know. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. So, Ray, the, yeah, uh, I think your next oh, objective should be to do hot ones. That's my uh do hot ones. Oh man. I don't know. I don't know. That probably wouldn't Whew. I mean that would, that would that's go the last of the me. concern, the actual process. You can't be any worse than DJ Khaled was. He went out on Tapatio. Yeah. <laughs> he did you know what, though? I am like, building up. Yeah. Well that that's the whole point of that I'm, show is they build yeah. up I think that's one of the most brilliant shows out there right now as well. It's like hey, the interviewing is yeah, the it, it's great, the the actual interview itself, yeah. but like they build them up with the hot sauce and you know, they got people like Rachel. If you Ray. like the spice if you like the spice based comedy, um spice based for a while stuff. these guys were doing uh spicy news or hot news. I didn't know this was a like genre. That. Yeah, and uh this was just somebody had to eat a ghost pepper and then do the news like they're you know behind the <laughs> yeah. desk. There's one with Kyle Kinane. Yeah. Uh, I love Kyle. Yeah. You know, now yeah. he's a friend, and I'm I'm happy about that. I, that's not a, a humble brag, but it's you know he's just he's a good dude. Yeah, totally. But he did one of those and had to eat the ghost pepper and then read the news, and it's one of the funniest things. I I really enjoy it. Yeah, that's. Uh, <laughs> so if you just like if you, I'm sure it's on YouTube, like Kyle Kinane, hot news, ghost pepper, whatever you want to put in. But uh, oh man, it's it's great. Uh, yeah, I I would I would do it. I just would have to build up more of a tolerance um yeah like right I now okay I, I just you, got into you know, talkies into what talkies <laughs> it's so stupid it's a chip it's just a chip oh the fucking chip of it's death a spicy thing? chip no no it's uh it's like a chili lime kind oh, of okay not the uh, one that comes with like chip. one chip in a package that's like no no okay but talkies are spicy they punish you they punish you for being so delicious 
listen, I went through a phase, uh, 2006 to eight, I would say two years where it couldn't be hot enough. It was like, I learned because the first time I ever got high off food in 2006 I was eating this curry. I was like, Jesus is spicy. And all of a sudden I remember being like, lightheaded and felt really good. It was like, it's kind of <laughs> slight cold sweat, you know, in the back. And I was like, Oh my God, this is, yeah. this is awesome. You know? And I was like, I didn't realize I could get this endorphin rush. And then it became a two year yeah. mission to punish myself as hard as I could. And finally my stomach was just like, yeah, no more. We're not doing yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're going to keep, especially if you're going to keep drinking like this, no more of this stuff. So I still yeah. like spicy, but I'm not like a Dave's insanity extract sauce kind of guy no no no. i'm i'm a i'm a real chicken shit when it comes to it like i i like spice with flavor but spice just that it needs to taste good it has to taste good in the dirt you don't want things that taste like gasoline yeah Yeah. that's yeah Yeah. people who are like i said it is pretty cool to get high off food anytime you figure you can get high off anything it's pretty cool um you know huffing gas uh you know chicken wings you know it's like hey that's why (laughs) that's why i always huff super glue while i eat popcorn that's right that's why you know you're like 93 octane it's better for you know your lungs the trick is make sure you remember which bag is which (laughs) like that's the hardest part i like that we've uh I, i like that we're about to end on huffing gas i think that's a good uh exit point don't you i think it's Listen, when things are hard to come by during these tough times, if you have a gallon of gas, you're all set. Either you use it for fuel or as a weapon or as a thing to pass the time. Get a little whistle. Yep. Tough yeah. some- <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'd like to thank Ray Harrington, comedian Ray Harrington, longtime friend Ray Harrington for... Uh, I'm all of those things. You're all these things. I could literally go on like Apollo Creed, like forever with titles for you. Um, (laughs) But uh, thank you for being part of uh, the new season and the kind of new experiment, I guess, of the podcast. This is the first one we've done uh, remotely without, you know, somebody being in the studio, which is, you know, you you miss out on this palatial air studio I have over here, but that's fine. You know, I think we're doing okay. No, I really do uh, appreciate it. It's, no. <laughs> I, thank you. And it's, it's an honor to be on. I know we tried to make this happen before, you know, in the before times when people were yeah. uh, walking near. Well, you, you just got and, regular, uh, you got regular sick. Back before yeah, the pandemic, yeah. you were just regular sick. You had to go yeah, home. I was over. regular sick, not terrified sick. Right. Um, exactly. So, yeah. and But I, I'm so glad we got to do this, for sure. Absolutely. And we'd like to thank our sponsor again, uh, Bissell Brothers Brewing. Uh, you can check them out at Bissell Brothers, B-I-S-S-E-L-L, brothers.com. Uh, they have a tasting room in Portland and in Milo, Maine. Uh, and uh, there's certainly plenty of opportunities or plenty of uh, places you can still pick up the beer and enjoy it because God knows... We all need it right now. Uh, I'm Joe Riccio. This is the Food Coma Podcast.